Hello, friends. Hello, 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 friends. A tradition unlike any other. Oh, 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 my goodness. In your life have you seen anything like that? There it is. Adam Scott, a life changer. Mashed potato. Here it, here it, here it, here it comes. This is the 19th Tea Podcast, Kieran Marsh, Nathan Drudy, back with you for another week. Drudster in the, well, it's the simmering west, <laughs> the the uh, the Celsius in the high 30s there, Drudes, at, at your end of the country. Yep, 37 today, 38 tomorrow, grass is taking a battering, sprinklers are on as we speak. Um, yeah, it's the, uh, the, the ashes-free Western Australia as well, okay. <laughs> Uh, yeah. It only took us 30 seconds to get our first joke about the Great Wall of WA. Shocked, but not at all surprised. Speaking of the ashes, uh, it's the complete opposite here on the other side of the Nullarbor from a from a weather perspective. Andrews, you could set your watch to it. Uh, first test of the summer, we've had the La Nina event, uh, absolutely hissing down with rain. Uh, and, of course, the sun comes out today and it's about 85% humidity in the air. So... Uh, and you get the traditional uh, two days out from the first test. That, I love this. I was talking to a friend today. We're getting a little sidetracked off the top, as we tend to do. Um, annually, you can you can set your watch to it. There's always the the leak of the photo of the Gabba pitch two days out, and everyone loses their collective mind. Oh, my God, look how green it is. Should we bowl first? What do you reckon? Everyone also uh, knows that the Gabba curator staff do their last cut the night before. So even today it looked the same, and they'll do a cut tonight. It'll come up a picture. Now, don't get me wrong; it'll it'll be a bit grey by virtue of the, um, you know, by virtue of the conditions here. But you want to entertain the thought of bowling first. Just cast your mind back to two thousand two, two thousand three. Nasser Hussain wins the toss, bowls first. Harmison sends it the second slip with the opening ball of the summer. And England go on to get absolutely dusted. So everybody knows you see out the first session in Brisbane, you play in the V and you score runs for days. So um, that's what I'm tipping. Whoever wins the toss tomorrow won't hesitate. It'll be bat. Thank you very much. Well, you know the saying, mate. If you feel like you're going to bat, bat. If you feel like you want to have a bowl, bat. Like it's pretty simple. (laughs) Think about it for a moment and then bat. Bat. Uh, Bat first at all opportunities. That's exactly right. Round them off at a thousand, Jimmy. Round <laughs> Jimmy, uh, the mighty Queensland Bulls. Uh, speaking of the mighty Queensland Bulls, they do love a beer back in the day, as did Jimmy Ma, who we mentioned there. Uh, and as do our friends at Gage Roads Brewing Company, uh, WA's premier craft brewery, named after the strip of ocean between Rottnest and Fremantle. Uh, quick shout out to Gage Roads. Um, this is completely unscheduled and unrehearsed. I went to um, my wife's Christmas party on the weekend. Uh, here in little old Brisbane, mm. Gage Roads on tap. I was having really? sidetracks all night. Unbelievable. Yes, c- couldn't believe it. Now, obviously, they've got a, a great foothold in Western Australia, significant presence in Victoria. They're starting to work their way up the East Coast, but I was very impressed with the venue there on uh, on Saturday evening with uh, both the single fin and the sidetrack on tap. So They've got work to do to our friends at Gage Roads to really crack that Queensland market because having spent some time there last year, KM, <laughs> Queenslanders are fiercely loyal 
to high barrier of entry to, to any, for uh, any other beers. Yeah. <laughs> high barrier of entry barrier. to the mother's milk. I'm looking forward to a couple of watered down golds when I head off to uh, day three on Friday. <laughs> Not as good as the track anyway. Are we going to get play? Uh, just uh, first before we get into some golf, are we going to get? How good is this? We're five six minutes into a golf podcast. We we're on, on the cricket. Well, I mean, fuck! It's it's exciting, Marshy. It is it exciting. Is. Are we going to are we going to get play? I mean, the weather looks shit house. Yeah, I think we will. Um, I'm not sure we'll get full days through the first two days. So I think, yeah, I, I think we'll be interrupted, I, I would think. I, I think tomorrow should be okay. All right. Um, Thursday looks like the bad day of the week. So, yeah, we'll definitely see some play. Um, it'll be interesting to see, obviously, no James Anderson, obviously selection of Travis Head ahead of Usman Khawaja. Um, <laughs> Fascinating druids to say the least. God's <laughs> been averaging 87 this summer. Don't worry about it. Don't have to be dead to be stiff, Usman. Anyway, uh, it'll be look, it's very exciting. It always is this time of year, particularly around there's only probably two test series that are really get up for us this and the Indians. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm thoroughly looking forward to uh to the to the summer of cricket. Uh, let's anyway, <laughs> let's let's talk some golf. Um we had set aside this episode, we flagged this a couple of weeks ago, where we would do an episode previewing the Australian Summer of Golf because that kicks off in earnest uh, this week, Druids, with the Vic PGA. So that will be the majority of this episode tonight as a preview of the upcoming Australian Summer. Uh, a couple of bits to knock off prior, though. First and foremost, on the PGA Tour, um, Victor Hovland, a winner at the Hero. Uh, unbelievable uh, trend that he's really leaning into. He only seems to win in tropical locations. Um, so two wins uh, in, in Mexico, a win in Puerto Rico, and now a win in the Bahamas as well. So has a real uh, bias towards the beach, I feel, uh, does Victor Hovland, but got it done when all others around him were detonating. It was a fascinating final day's golf. Morikawa, I think, led had a five-shot lead going in to the final day, a couple of doubles, one of the worst fairway three woods you ever seen your life like mm. a duck hook not a not a push um not a gentle hook an absolute duck hook three would um you know into into the ether uh, that really got him out over his skis sam burns was there thereabouts and then he absolutely detonated himself uh tried to hit a hybrid into a green uh you know how you, you kind of find yourself in those situations so using a hybrid instead of a instead of a wedge when you're in that awkward thin line, he yeah. did that and hit the same hybrid like literally four times. Um, it was, yeah, it, yeah, it was, it was quite weird. Tough anyway, Hop, Hovland um, is the last one standing, continues to show uh, that he is a force to be reckoned with. And yeah, I mean, we've said it ad nauseum on this podcast, but that battle between him and Morikawa for the next 10 years uh, is, is, you know, mouthwatering. And, and, and what I will say um and I'll, I'll credit um, the Shotgun Start podcast, which I was listening to a little earlier today. One thing that came out for me for the hero uh, watching was the real emergence of that next generation. Now, say what you will about the tournament. It's hit and giggle. It's 20 blokes. It's phenomenal that they award um, world ranking points off, off a 20-person field. But when you've got guys like Morikawa, Hovland, Burns, Scheffler, they're the ones at the pointy end. It's it's a real you, you can kind of almost see in front of your eyes the the changing of the guard a little bit in terms of that next generation really starting to um, foreground themselves, Drews. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, it's only twenty person field or whatever it is, but it's a bloody mm. good field too. Yeah, like, shit yeah. up. 
shit. It's outside outside of the majors. It's bloody bloody strongest strength of field that you'll come across, really. Uh, for twenty people, mm. it's it's quite phenomenal. I mean, um, yeah, it's yeah, it's a bit of a nothing tournament. I didn't didn't watch much of this particularly at all. Um, and yeah, as you say, it is a bit of a hit and giggle. But you can't deny a good performance from uh, Victor Hovland for four rounds in the sixties. Only him and Patrick Reed uh, did that, I believe. Uh, if I read mm. the scorecard correct, a lot of seventies. Um, so yeah, well done to to Victor Hovland. I believe your sure shot shot of the week is from here as well. It was. Uh- Tyrrell Hatton, uh, not a name that we would immediately associate with the shot of the week because he can be a bit volatile, uh, our mate Tyrrell, but phenomenal shot. I believe it was either the second or the third round, and, and that's poor. I probably should have done a bit more thorough research, but par five ninth, uh, his third shot was from uh, the water, one of those situations where you take the shoes off, the socks off, roll up the, the long pants. Uh, you feel like you've got a... Uh, you know, a bit of a Hail Mary to throw from the water. Well, he certainly did that. Uh, he was probably 40, 50 yards out, uh, ball beneath the surface of the water. He took the wedge and stuck it within five feet. So he knew it too. He kind of, he stood back from it and kind of put his arms out and looked around everybody and tipped his hat as Tyrrell does. Quite the character, obviously. He is. A bit of bants. Uh, but no, it was a, it was a good shot in amongst, you know, there were plenty. I mean, Victor Hovland had back-to-back eagles. Uh, today to, to cement himself. So there's plenty of good shots around, uh, but we haven't seen one from the water so far since Sure Shot have come on board. So I thought that was most appropriate. That is, of course, the Sure Shot shot of the week presented by the brand new Sure Shot Pinlock 6000 series laser range finders with the fastest optics yet, enhanced battery life and improved ergonomic case and an internal magnet. The Sure Shot Pinlock 6000 series of laser range finders will help you know the distance and play the best shot to get you on the green. What else, KM? Anything else from the PGA Tour? Or uh, two very brief, two very brief things. Uh, I only mention this because uh, people will accuse me of bias. I only, I only say the good things about Jordan Spieth. He was assessed two separate two-stroke penalties uh, as part of this tournament. Uh, the second of which came in the final round today. Most amusing himself and Henrik Stenson were the, were the first pairing out as the uh, lowest two placed players in the field heading into the final round. They played from the wrong tee box. Mm. Uh, which is remarkable. Now I can, you know, it, because it had been the tee box previously, uh, which was subsequently moved back uh, for the ninth hole, I believe it was. But but uh, one of those kind of setups where you've got a tee box uh, or two tee boxes that are being used for two separate holes. So what was previously the ninth had been moved back to become um, the seventeenth, I think, and that's that's where they got the confusion wrong. Like the signs were up, the tee boxes were up. Anyway, really weird situation. They both head off and they're both walking down and the rules official comes screaming down in the buggy, um, uh, provides them with the information, gives them the two-stroke penalty, and they had to walk back and re-tee, um, which is phenomenal. And the second one was earlier in the tournament where he moved his ball on the green um, by accident, of course, uh, and and failed to move it back to the original position before putting. Bizarre. Um, so, yeah, just weird. Really weird for him. Uh, and, you know, I think it's probably the end of a long year. He's obviously had the return to form and he's newly a father. I think he'll benefit as much as anyone from the break. Uh, Drew, and the only other one was just just Tiger in general. It was Tiger's mm. tournament. It, it is, was. It is his invitational. Um, and uh, it's been almost a week since he had the initial um, kind of golf TV staged interview into the press conference before the hero. I don't want to revisit that because... All and sundry have written about, um, you know, particularly his inability to address any questions around the accident. 
uh, itself. Uh, suffice it to say, he seems to be in a good place, both mentally and as good a place as he possibly could be physically, um, you know, noting that his, his body is well and truly broken. So all, all indications seem to be that he's gearing up to play the father-son in a, in a week or two's time with, with young Charlie. And what I think was refreshing uh, was the complete transparency and honesty that he will not get back to where he was ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, the acknowledgement that 2019 at Augusta was his Everest and he does not have that within him. And that if he can get back to play a handful of tournaments each year, if he can even get back to that, then he will be happy. And that was refreshing outlook from a guy who's never given us probably that level of perspective. He's been so dogged and one-eyed in his in his determination to win um, that nothing else below that has been acceptable. And it was just a little bit more human from him. Yeah, as I said last week, like I actually don't care if he doesn't play no. anymore. Like uh, I think... You know, we, we debated at the time whether Phil's uh, victory at Kiowa this year was uh, you were a, st- a staunch believer that it was the most significant major victory in our lifetime. You know, like I, I look at where Tigers was and I probably still sit with with Tigers' victory in 2019. Um, and, and there's both great case, – and there's cases for both. Um, and I'm going to choose to remember that that's the – that was the pinnacle, as you point rightly pointed out there. And if, if that is it, I think the golf world is so far indebted to Tiger Woods for what mm. he's brought to the game. And um, he owes the game nothing. He owes the fans nothing, maybe other than an explanation, if we <laughs> touched on a couple of mm. times. Uh, but, yeah, I th- um, yeah, as I say, I really don't care if he doesn't tee another ball up competitively again because he's he's given more than – his worth to to the sport. So that's probably all all I have. Couldn't agree more. Do look forward to seeing him play with Charlie, though. I think mm. when we saw that last year, it was excellent. And if that's what he gets himself up for now to play with his son and so obviously have an involvement in his son's career, then, you know, phenomenal. Uh, Drew, it's probably the only other piece of news that is worth touching on before we turn our attention to the home uh, summer of golf is to do, pardon me, with a very good friend of this podcast, and that's Steph Kiriakou, who... Mm. Is amongst a group of Australians, we flagged this last week, who's travelled to the United States to take part in the LPGA Q Tour or Q Series Tour, mm-hmm. uh, seeking status and seeking, uh, you know, the ability to play on the LPGA next year. It was probably an inauspicious start from Steph. I, I've been keeping my eyes closely peeled on this tournament um, through through two rounds and. Uh, didn't see uh, not only Steph but really any Australian flags in that top ten. Uh, wowee, Drusa. Round three uh, is where she started to turn, and then round four, a final round, sixty-three, nine under sixty-three, catapults her. I think it got her into a tie for second at one point, um, and she ended up in a tie for fourth. Ironically, alongside a tie to who she finished behind in the uh, race to Costa to sign the ladies European tour. So just some phenomenal golf in that final round to not just scraping, obviously the top 70 going through to the next stage of of the the, the Q the Q tour series, but uh sorry, Q series tour, but you know, convincingly put herself in a really strong position. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, she's um we've we've known her talent and the challenge has always been taking it from Europe. To the states, as we've said, with a lot of a lot of those uh, players who have 
done really well in Europe. So it's great to see her go over. Um, could have easily gone to water after round round two um, when it is so cutthroat, as we heard Wazza talking about last week. So great for her to fire um, a massive uh, nine under. I think she had a great quote, basically just said that she decided to go low and, and that was... And that was it. So I wish it was that easy, Marshy, oh. but uh, not not quite. But um, shout out also to a friend of the pod in, in Karis Davidson, who finished T11, a further six shots back, and Sarah Jane Smith, who um, gets through in T24 as well. So um, three Aussies progressing through to the next stage, which is fantastic to see. Yeah, huge. Top 70 uh, through, as you said, uh, Druids to the next stage. Commiserations to Aussie Robin Choi. Uh, who was unfortunately cut, finishing six over through four rounds. So we'll certainly keep a keen eye on the progression of those three Australians in the next round. Uh, but, yeah, Steph in ominous, ominous form. That was uh, that was in Mobile, Alabama, mm. uh, and they head to Dothan. Dothan or Doton, Alabama, uh, beginning December 9 uh, through 12. So in the, deep, in the deep south. It's an odd place to have a uh, the LPGA Tour Q Series. Mobile. Um, yeah, in Alabama. Um, mm. Not particularly known for its golf courses uh, or no. its golf. No. Uh, but anyway. Except, except, for the, except for the university. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, you know, famous alumni such as uh, Mr. Thomas. Uh, roll. <laughs> roll. Role. Uh, we will turn our attention now to the the home summer mm. of golf. So, um, uh, pro- probably preface this by saying we have been maybe as critical as anyone about uh, this, I suppose, schedule of events or lack thereof. And credit where it's due, um, where it's at now, I certainly still don't, uh, you know, subscribe to it being acceptable. But I think they've made uh, made good of a bad situation. I won't say they've made the best of it. Uh, but in terms of uh, whether it's PGA of Australasia, TPS events uh, or otherwise, there is a schedule of events there now that, that gives an opportunity for people to uh, not just earn a bit of money, uh, but also, you know, counting towards order of merit, opportunity to potentially earn a bit of status. So they do need a pat on the back uh, in, in, in the sense of putting together a summer that's, uh, that's meaningful in some way, shape or form for one of the players back home. Yeah, agree. Oh, sorry. No, 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 no. I was just going to say that it's more the fact that it is. Um, I completely agree with everything that you've said. It's just the reactionary nature of adjusting to border closures and everything that I think has continued to frustrate us. But um, yeah, and that's. I think it probably speaks to a broader problem. Golf that needs to be, despite the exponential growth it's gone through from a participation perspective through COVID. Um, obviously being very friendly COVID worse in terms of sports that are able to be played. Uh, golf needs to be, you know, really quite cognizant of its of its relative level of uh, importance on the Australian sporting landscape. And mm. I think the inability to um, put together a, a, a proper schedule uh, and the reactive nature speaks to probably the true lack of influence at a government level that other sports have, mm-hmm. uh, the lack of sway from a commercial perspective um, that other sports have. So I do think it's it's shone a light on broader problems in the administration that need to be addressed because you can have nine million people picking up a golf club around the around the country. That it won't mean it won't matter for shit 
if you don't have the right people doing the job in in the in the front office. So yeah, and I think the the, the frustrating part is that nine million people picking up the golf club. Mm. I I almost feel the opportunity to to convert them to golf fans and Australian golf fans is now past now that COVID has all but ended really in in a, most states anyway. Mm. Um, so that opportunity that we had maybe three, four, five, six months ago to, to actually capitalize on this exponential growth that you touched on is now shifted as we come into the big bash season, as we come into the NBL yeah. season and we're competing against sports that have enormous marketing budgets that have significant backing that have fantastic broadcast deals. So I think that's always going to be the challenge of, of, of golf. And, um, you know, we let that opportunity slip three months, three, four, five, six, whatever it is months ago. But um, we have got to a good point, I guess, ultimately that we've got a schedule together of, of events that is going to earn players money. It's going to earn them points. It's going to earn them world rankings. It's all that sort of stuff that I guess is the positive to take out of it anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's look, we we may have egg in our face in 12 months time and, and, and we could be looking back on this and saying we're incredibly harsh, but, I don't know. I think you and I have, have seen this movie too many times. Uh, I think the experience of working in sport leaves us somewhat qualified uh, to, uh, to to have these opinions. And yeah, we we will continue to stay uh, because it's true. It comes from a place of 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 passion and concern for the game because we we do love it. We want to see it thrive. So completely agree. Uh, before we get into the nitty gritty in the events, there is a there is a piece of news. Um, though, that I think is worth sharing because it might have um, it might have been lost on a on a on a larger number of people, and I know it's one that you've got some thoughts on. So uh, I'll, I'll preface it also by saying we've just slammed them for not having any commercial nows uh, or the influencer ability to attract um, you know sponsors of of some merit to throw some meaningful cash into the game. Uh, the PGA did announce a new partner uh, for the summer, Crossbet. Uh, now, I must admit, I don't know too much about CrossBet. Uh, I also must admit, I don't care to know too much about CrossBet. No. Because uh, it just seems to be another one of the myriad of platforms where I can go and uh, throw my mortgage away. Mm-hmm. However, uh, they will be a significant presence at the, all the events we're about to speak about. So why don't you just give us the short synopsis of the CrossBet partnership and then uh, probably more importantly, your, your thoughts on uh, on the deal. Yeah, uh, CrossBet, they're going to become a year-round partner of the PGA and the PGA Tour of Australasia. So you'll see them across digital assets, tournaments, content, as well as the CrossBet Champions Lounge, uh, which will be a feature of the Oz PGA and the WP, WPGA Championships um, up at Royal Queensland early next year. Um the party hole will continue and that's where the um, champions lounge will be involved. I guess that's ultimately the long and the short of it. Um, I mean, I, and you raised a really good point and I won't steal your thunder by, by mentioning it, but I think I'm not a particularly massive fan of incorporating sports betting into sports just as a, as a, as a principle, I think it speaks more, broadly to um, an alignment to values. Um, and I, I don't want us to sound like we're getting on a fucking high horse about this, right? Because as you said, <laughs> rightly, we've we've been calling for commercial partners. Yeah. And, and this is 
at a dollar figure level, and and trust me because this is fucking my job, at a dollar figure level, like this looks like a fantastic deal. I think what I've seen in my job is that by not partnering with those, and I'm not telling the PGA Australia how to do their job, but by not partnering with those entities that promote sports betting or necessarily alcohol or junk food, the opportunities that it opens up within other organisations to say, hey, we actually turn our back on this, but because it aligns to our values, is far more powerful than taking the cash grab immediately, which mm. might be a short-term partner. I've never heard of CrossBet. I don't know who they are. I've never, I don't know. I mean, if most people, if they're looking at sports betting in Australia, they'd probably know your sports bet or your Ladbrokes. I mean, that's really it. I mean, Neds have made a big play of late. But yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I'm conscious of, of, you know, being very hypocritical here and, and calling the, the, the pot calling the kettle black. But uh, I, I just saw the announcement and I thought, if we're talking about 9 million people watching this and, and getting involved with the game, a large number of those are going to be kids. And it's more the message that we send to those kids who are under 18 because. Mm. As I said to you before, they'll know their market segment really well and they might have a vast majority of over-18s, but there's going to be a percentage there of under-18s. And whatever that percentage is, is going to be influenced by this messaging. And, and you know, sports betting isn't uh, like, and this is just a personal opinion, it's not something that should be associated with with sport, in, in my opinion. I mean, you can't watch an AFL game or, or even a Big Bash game or an NRL game, right, without some sort of interruption around live odds updates or whatever mm. it might be it's it's so in your face now um and i'm conscious that we're getting getting away from from what we probably know and love but you know i've i do this for do this for a living so i feel like i've got some level of qualification to talk about it but i mean to your point i, I won't sue you thunder but what you said about um the partnership before but what, what's your takeaways from it uh, the, the, I mean, there's there's a number of things, uh, and I agree with much, if not all, of what you said. Um, up front, I'll say I, I, we aren't prudes. I think we've proven that through the best part of 170 episodes. So this is not. If know, I go to the races, I'll have a punt. Don't yeah, get me wrong. It's yeah. it's not it's not an indication that we are anti gambling. It's 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 whether or not it needs to be pervasive in your face. Um, through a you know a, an endorsed partnership by the governing body of of the game. Uh, there's a variety of things here. I don't think golf uh, as a sport lends itself to sports betting nearly as much as others in this country that do get in bed far more frequently with, with sports betting agencies. So it's not an NRL. It's not an AFL. It's not a cricket. There's so many opportunities there, um, whether it's not just head to head betting, but option betting through those sports. Golf doesn't really offer that level of, I think interest from a gambling perspective, unless I'm missing something, and I probably am. There's people be hosing me down already, saying that there's plenty of opportunities to have a punt. The second thing for Madrid's is, uh, and you're far more positioned than I am because I'm just a humble words man. Uh, you, you play with the dollars. Um, my 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 uh, you know my headline understanding of commercial partnerships is it should be really a mutually beneficial partnership. I guarantee you, guarantee you that CrossBet's getting more out of this than the PGA PGAR getting probably a handsome commercial uh, mm. kickback from a cash yeah. perspective. But to your point, who the fuck are CrossBet? 
No one knows. Yeah. They might by the end of the year because yeah. they're going to be on everything. Yeah. So I don't think the, the amount of money that they could afford to give the PGA is enough for that. Crossbet are, uh, are highly, highly favoured in this partnership over the PGA in my mind. Uh, thirdly, uh, as you mentioned, they'd know their target market far better than we would. We, we certainly would never, ever, ever get our hands on any sort of data from the PGA, I wouldn't have thought, not least of which their, you know, their, their audience data, their target demographic, their interests, and they'd absolutely be tracking that sort of thing. And I'm sure that there's, there's data there to tell them that they're interested in, in sports betting because they sit within, you know, an 18 to 35 male age bracket. There are other things that 18 to 35-year-old males are interested in. Uh, and I think you made a really good point in the sense that, yeah, it's easy. It's easy to take the cash that's on offer because, you know, bird in the hand is worth two in the bush, right? We, we love the devil we know. Well, the money we got in our hand is worth far more than the one that we're chasing. But the opportunity cost of getting into bed with a gambling partner and who that rules out having conversations with, I would suggest is far, far greater commercial loss uh, and, and and probably most importantly, I think, and, and finally, my, fi- my final thoughts on this is at a time in the environment at the moment where, where clubs are, honestly, they're running away from sports gambling now, not necessarily at a league level. There's still some issues around um, leagues like the AFL or the NRL getting into bed with gambling partners, but clubs specifically themselves, you know, the most recent example and I'm not saying this because I support them. I'm saying this because it's literally the most recent example. The, the Melbourne Football Club last year sold the Bentley Club, which was literally a club that they owned full of pokies in Melbourne. Yep. Yep. And it was a nice little profit turner for them in Melbourne. There's no doubt about that. They made a cognizant decision as a football club and as a member club that this is not what we wish to be aligned with. They sold the club. They took the money, reinvested it back in the club. Mm-hmm. They have absolutely no ties to gambling now. Now that's I think Richmond did it all that not long ago. Well, club have done it too. Hawks have done it. Clubs are running away from gambling, and the PGA are running towards it. Mm. And, and I agree. Um, it's it's hard on the one hand to slam them for not bringing any cash into the game, and then slam them for the cash they bring into the game. Uh, mm. But oh, I would find it incredibly hard to believe that CrossBet was the best thing on offer of all the conversations that I'm sure they have. Yeah, it's a fascinating, it's a fascinating one to, to really look at and it depends on you know, how, how you want to break it all down. But there's a number of teams in Melbourne that are partners with the anti-sports gambling, something mm. like that. I don't know what it is. There's a specific title, but there's, I think there's three or four AFL teams, Melbourne Victory, Melbourne Storm, a part of it, I believe, um, some netball clubs, big bash clubs. So they're actually getting together some mm. of the biggest clubs in the competition. It was interesting. I don't want to spend too much on this, but um, essentially I was just flicking through the the um, PGA's website while we were talking there. And essentially their, their purpose how was is the, to- How was the user experience? Uh, good look, UX. Uh, not too, not too bad, actually. Could could be better. I don't love how the social feed pops up first, but that's right. Um, uh, their purpose is to engage, inspire, and showcase Australian golf to positively impact our members, fans, and the community. Mm. Like I, oh, this is my opinion, and and I'm sure you probably share it. I don't think that gambling and sports gambling positively impacts the community. 
Um, so I'm I don't also know, interested I, to know how gambling and sports gambling positively impacts their uh, what what is it uh, last count thirteen hundred odd PGA professionals around the country who are their members. Yeah, it's yeah, it's, it's I don't know. It's a fascinating argument, and as you say, we don't want to shit can them for bringing money money in, and and hopefully, look, I hope it's a bloody good pay packet um, mm. that they've, they've bought in from it, and it does flow through to the players or, or whatever it might be. Um, but yeah, it's it's just a really interesting philosophical argument to have, and I know that um, you know people might have got bored of of this conversation for the that we've been having for the last five minutes, Probably. but it was something that we did want to call out. Um, because yeah, it's it's probably something that you know I deal with um, semi regularly, and and um, you know that you've had experience with as as well. I think what I'd be interested in knowing, uh, we'll never know. I'd never expect because it's now not commonplace. Um, I'd never expect to know the the figure. Mm. Uh, but what I would be fascinated to know is the percentage of the figure that will go towards the purse. Mm. Minimal. Yeah. Would have thought so. That for me, if you hand on heart want to say you're positively impacting your members, you'd be passing on a lot of that partnership money to the players competing in the events across better sponsoring for the for the summer. Yeah. We're fascinated to know what percentage of the partnership you'll never know is, is going towards the purse. No chance. <laughs> no chance. Anyway, let's get to the tournaments themselves. So yes, let's do it. We we tossed a, <laughs> tossed around a few ideas about how we do this. Uh, you know, traditionally we might look at it and go, you know, location, date, who's a defending champion. There's a number of these that are regular events. There's a few that are new and none of them were run last year. So I think what we'll just do, Trudes, is maybe you'll rattle off the events mm-hmm. and we'll kind of walk through the schedule chronologically. And then I think maybe at the back end, we might just kind of probably name some players that we think are ones to watch going into the summer because... Obviously, I think there's a handful of guys coming in in red-hot form, whether they've been, um, you know, dormant here in Australia and waiting for their opportunity or whether they've been overseas uh, in the States, in Europe, um, in Asia, you know, with an opportunity to come back and play. I think there's a handful of guys who I think will be consistently competing uh, for these titles. So we'll, we'll kind of round out at the end with, with a few ones to watch for the summer. Sounds good. Uh, so all kicking off this week. Thursday, mm. in fact. Uh, I mean, it feels like a very long time uh, in between drinks uh, for for, t- for tour events uh, on the PGA Tour of Australasia. Uh, kicking off the 2021 Victorian PGA Championship at the Moona Lynx Resort. Uh, of course, mm. played over the Legends and the Open course courses, uh, which is fantastic. Very much looking forward to catching a little bit of this. This is actually going to be uh, broadcast on uh, Saturday and Sunday uh, in Eastern time. It will be from two till five on uh, for round three on the Saturday. Round four will be 12 till five. So you'll be able to get a bit of your fix of golf on the television uh, if you are at all interested um, over the for, over the second, uh, over the weekend. My apologies. Do you want to touch on the Vic PGA now? Shall we round back to it a little bit or how would you like? Do you want me to just keep rattling through? Oh, nothing other than to say I think it's one of the premier events on the schedule. Obviously, there's the Jewel in the Crown, which is the Australian PGA and, and the, the Australian Open, which won't be run this year. But when it comes to probably that next tier down, I, I don't think they get much better than the Vic PGA. Um, it's it's a fantastic event. Uh, anything down there, I think that Sandbelt region is an incredibly um, 
blessed part of the world to play golf. So, yeah, I'm 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 excited that it is the kind of first thing we're kicking off with because it's a it's a ripper event and and a really good field as well. Matthew Griffin, Jake McLeod, Brad Kennedy, of course, the defending Order of Merit uh, champion Zach Murray, Brighton McPherson, just rattling off a few here. Um, Blake Windred, Dimi Papadados. So there's some great names in in amongst uh, the the list this weekend this week mm. as well. So be really really good to um, to to catch a bit of that. We then go on to the Gippsland Super 6 uh, from the 16th to the 19th of December. That's at the Warrigal Country Club. Um, same prize purse as the uh, PGA, uh, sorry, the Vic Championship, which is great. So uh, Super 6, look, I don't know. I don't know about the format, KM. I'm not, a, I'm not a particularly massive fan of the way that it runs. I think it could be done a lot better. Um, I think it's in between um, being the long form and the short form. Maybe for the benefit of those who aren't familiar, Drew, it's a thirty-second elevator pitch on 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 the on what makes the Super Six different. Um, I say, well, it's just I don't, I don't hard know. to do in thirty seconds. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It is very hard to to do in thirty seconds. So essentially, it's stroke play, um, and, and it goes over six holes, and then there's a winner determined from that, and then if the two players are equal, then they go to a knockout hole. And then it whittles down to two players, and ultimately you end up with a um, with a, a two person final. That's essentially how it's mm. how it's done. Um, it is so there's stroke play across the first little bit, and then it's stroke match play, and it's all very fucking confusing. Um, they should just play blitz golf. Okay, I think that's the mm. simple solution to it. Um, could still run it over four days and have you know your, for your four day winners all come together for a um, for, for a shootout final or something similar. I think there'd be some great ways to do it, but um, must admit Gippsland Super 6 doesn't get me particularly excited. No, I'm not I'm not jazzed uh, for the Gippsland Super 6. I'm thrilled it's not leading us off, um, and I don't mind after the excitement of the Vic PG game, Abby. <laughs> Maybe just cooling my jets a little on the Gippsland Super Six, but I think to your point that you let off with, it's good to see it's a, uh, a the same sort of price purse. Uh, yeah, that's that's the most important thing. I, I think you yeah, outside of the opportunity to earn status and earn, um, you know, earn their way overseas is is earn a bit of cash for these for these guys and girls this summer. So that's um, that's a silver lining, I think, to an otherwise uh, dreary event for mine. Then we have a break. So two events into a break. Um, wouldn't, wouldn't want to overextend load. Wouldn't want to overextend. No, just uh, yeah. Make sure you watch the legs, uh, and then we're back. So we, uh, it's probably going to align nicely with our schedule, KM, because we're going to wrap up Superb. next week as well um, for the year, and then we're going to have a, a fair chunk of time off, probably to align to this, and then we're back with the, uh, of course, as you mentioned, the Crown Jewel, the Australian PGA Championship mm. at Royal Queensland. 13th to the 16th of Jan, uh, going to be a fantastic tournament. Uh, clearly the one I'm looking forward to the most out of anything um, that the, the the tour is running this year. So, um, yeah, I think we've said probably everything there is to say about the Oz PGA, really. I, it is the, the the leading tournament on offer this year, a million-dollar prize pool, um, everything that comes with it. Great new venue at Royal Queensland as well. Mm. So uh, looking forward to to covering that in earnest. I'm sure we'll have some previews and, and wrap-ups and, and hopefully some interviews. And if time permits, you might even be able to get out there, Marshy. Yeah, I do, I do have my sights set on, on day one. 
being Thursday, I think it'll be a, a quieter day than when the masses get there on Saturday and Sunday and probably just give me a little bit more flexibility to follow closer than uh, otherwise would get the opportunity to on the weekend. So uh, I would suggest um, tea times being friendly to a two-and-a-half-week-old. I'll, I'll, I'll be on on the shoulder of our mate was uh, following him around for his for his 18. But yeah, it's it's a great venue, Royal Queensland. Um, it's nice that the uh, the PGA has moved there. Don't, don't take any away from Royal Pines. Um, I've enjoyed walking around Royal Pines a number of times for, for the tournament, but I think a fresh start and, and you know, one of the oldest clubs, Alistair McKenzie, designed course, one of the only ones in the country. So obviously then redesigned most recently by, uh, by Michael Clayton. Uh, who's very invested mm. uh, in 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 the setup as we've seen. If you're paying close attention to our socials, there seems to be a little bit of oversight from the PGA about the uh, course setup, in particular rough and, and fairway integration. And mm. uh, Clates has got his bean a bonnet about that. I think deservedly so. So it'll be a great tournament. Um, look, I, I'm not going to get bogged down. I, I do lament that, and it's taking nothing away from these two individuals, particularly Minwoo Lee, who I'm excited to see come home and, and come into that tournament with the pressure of being the highest-ranked person in the field mm. and come home and carry that expectation to, yeah. to win this tournament. I'm really excited to see how he plays with that in mind. Mm. But, you know, it's it's tough when the two the two big names on the posters leading in are Minwoo and, and Jeff Ogilvy. Um, yeah. I, I love Jeff um, probably more than most people, but... If Jeff's a draw card, where Jeff's at in his his playing career, he's got so much more to contribute to golf, and he and he continues to do so. But in terms of his playing career, if he's one of the, the two draw cards of this event, that's that's the only thing that I lament as we lead into January's PGA Championship. Yeah, and look, Mimwe should dead set bury the field. Should blitz it. Um, there's no doubt about it. And, they, and I don't mean to be disrespectful to anyone else, but, you know, he's now ranked inside the top 50 playing the Masters. Obviously, massive shout out for that. He he should absolutely romp it in. Um, so it'll be very fascinating to see how that all pans out. Of course, the WPGA Championship will be played um, at the same time, which is great. Mm. So uh, looking forward to, to that happening as well. We then stay in Queensland, Marshy, for the uh, Queensland PGA Championship up at Nudgee. Um, now I don't know much about Nudgy Golf Club. I don't know if you've had many experiences around there. That's the twentieth to the twenty third of Jan. Tell us about Nudgy. Great course, Nudgy. Uh, it's actually only well, I shouldn't say a stone's throw. That's a woefully overused term, but it's close to Royal Queensland. Uh, it's kind of if if people are familiar with uh, with the kind of north side of Brisbane, Royal Queensland's kind of right on the the the, the river kind of towards the gateway bridge and and Nudgy's a little bit further up but hugs the uh, kind of gateway as it merges onto the Bruce Highway heading up the coast. So uh, it's a great little course, undergone a significant amount of work uh, in the last kind of 18 months to two years. They've put a lot of money and effort and time into um, kind of redesigning some aspects of that, um, really touching up a few of the holes, adding some new ones. And I think that it will be a great test. And, and I, I love that. Like traditionally, the, the, this Queensland PGA has been uh, last couple of years up the coast. I think it's been Pelican Waters last couple of years, just up in Calandra. Beautiful course, um, but I don't know. Uh, it seems like a, a pretty narrow-minded thing to say in a big state like Queensland. But uh, for me, there's something a little bit romantic about having those two tournaments in in Brisbane, you know, in the city, uh, which I think is great because we've got some 
some fantastic courses here that have been underutilized from a tournament perspective for some time. And it's been the domain of your Royal Pines down the coast or your Pelican Waters. And even before that, a height Coolum uh, before Clive turned it into fucking Jurassic Park. Um, so it's nice to have these tournaments back in the city, which is great. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure if I'll be as fortunate to get out of the Queensland PGA week after the Australian PGA, but if I can, it's it's a beautiful course to walk around. And uh, I'm really, really happy for their, um, not just their kind of staff who've put in, you know, particularly the ground staff, put a huge amount of effort to get that course to where it is. But, you know, it's a really proud thing for your members and for your club to host a tournament, I think, like that. So, it's a, it's just a reward for the folks out at Nudgee who've got a great little course there. 150k on offer as well, so massive uh, prize purse comparatively to to the other events, more than the Vic PGA, which is which is great as well. So we then get stuck into the TPS series, the Players Series. Um, we've got uh, how many? Is that like saying sorry, uh, and I don't mean to be a prick, but is that like saying uh, ATM machine? machine. <laughs> so TPS series. <laughs> it is, and that's just me saying it because it just says TPS, Victoria, TPS, Murray River, etc. So, no, you're absolutely right, ATM What a machine. wanker I am. So. No, no, great call out. Uh, TPS Victoria hosted by Jeff Ogilvie uh, from the 3rd to the 6th of Feb down at Rosebud Country Club on the North Course. That's going to be another great tournament. Um, the TPS series – fuck, I've done it again. The TPS uh, is <laughs> – is something that we were very hopeful that wasn't going to be something to get us through COVID. It was going to be long-term, um, of course, men and women playing alongside each other. It's fantastic. We're very much here for it. So um, yeah, credit where credit's due that that uh, we kick off the TPS uh, down at Rosebud on the, the 3rd to the 6th, Marshy. I think the great thing about the TPS as well is, to your point, it hasn't just got us through COVID. We, we've seen um, events like, Jeff's at Rosebud come back, and it, we've all also seen the series expand. Uh, it's clearly gained a bit of traction, uh, and I would think not least of which amongst the playing group. Without their engagement, you don't see tournaments not only return but more added to the schedule. So it's a little bit of thinking, right? It's the same sort of thing that Jeff Ogilvy is doing with Mike Clayton in coming years down in the Melbourne Sandbelt to put on tournaments players actually want to play in. And, uh, yeah, it's... I think fantastic to see the TPS return in in a really meaningful way uh, this summer heading into next year. Shout out to Webex for supporting that too. That's, mm. a, good, that's a good partnership uh, for for the PGA. We then have a new event, Marshy, uh, from the seventeenth to the twentieth of Feb. TPS Murray River. So that's going to um, that's going to be played at Cobram Baruga Golf Club in regional New South Wales. That'll be the fourth uh, event of the fourth uh, TPS series. Uh, event um as i'm just reading here where it fits into the into the schedule so second second in the schedule that's all going to be to support uh jared lyle uh, and and the challenge foundation um as well so a really really great um announcement that came out uh yesterday great article on the pga's website from our good friend tony Wiebeck. Um, as well. So, yeah, it's uh, very, very excited to see this one added um, in a regional course as well, which we always have a thing for regional golf and here, uh, Marshy. Was it Co- Cobram Baruga? Cobram Baruga. Yeah, I believe that was very close to where Jared grew up in there in, uh, in regional Victoria. So, yep. yeah, outstanding initiative. Um, obviously, uh, Jared's uh, wife, Bryony, uh, you know, and the family, the, the, the girls, 
uh, I think uh, continue to be humbled by the support they receive from the broader golfing community and um, it's the very least they deserve. And, and the very least his legacy deserves is to have yeah. a tournament like this tied to him in, in a place that was very special to him as well. So credit where it's due to, to those that uh, got this off the ground and did so in his honour because it'll be, I think, uh, a really probably important one for the players as well. I think that that legacy and you, you only see it in someone like Lucas Herbert who continues to wear the Luke the Duck pin around the world where he plays. I think it's something that um, sticks uh, with 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 great resonance to a lot of the Australian cohort, and I th- I think you'll see a, a really decent field turn up to that to be a part of that inaugural event. We then get into the back half of the year, the third to the sixth of March, TPS Sydney at Bonnie Doon, hosted by Braith Anasta, our good friend who's been uh, a massive supporter of um, I guess not only this podcast but uh, the the TPS in its entirety as well. And it's great to see him and, and Jeff really championing the TPS across the board. Yeah, he's uh, <laughs> he's quite a character, isn't he, uh, Braith? But, yeah, clearly, and it resonated so much and came through in that interview that he did with us, the passion that he has for golf uh, and to see him kind of turn that into some work of substance, whether that's his player management, um, but now the opportunities to put on events like this through his, through his network connections. Uh, I know the Bonnie doing golf clubs are a place very close to his heart. It's uh, yeah, it's, it's a great event. And I think one that, um, you know, I'm sure will be, uh, will, will, will be hotly contested. I, I think you only have to look at the guys that uh, come from that Sydney area. Who, are, who I'm certain um, without that Aussie Open um, will want to get along there and 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 play well in front of kind of family and friends at home. We finish off the TPS uh, in the Hunter Valley, uh, Oaks Cypress Lakes Resort. That's mm. a new event, um, the 10th to the 13th of March. 200K up for grabs uh, on that one as well. So that's a nice little prize packet for whoever takes that home. So that's hosted by Jan Stevenson and Peter O'Malley as well. Obviously two legends of the game. Uh, fantastic looking course, Oak Cypress Lakes Resort. So um, looking forward oh, yeah. to, to that wrapping up uh, the TPS uh, for another year, KM, before we head to New Zealand. It's a really nice course, Drew. So I was down in the Hunter a couple of years ago for a wedding. Um, there's two really nice courses down there. Um the Oaks Cypress Lakes is one. The other is the Vintage, uh, which is a Greg Norman design course. I played um, the Vintage, didn't get to play Oaks Cypress Lakes, but drove past it a number of times in between uh, tastings at the wineries. Uh, and it was, uh, yeah, it looked very special from outside the boundaries of the fence. So yeah, it'll be a ripper tournament, that. You then head across the ditch to New Zealand. Mm. So we have a couple of weeks off in between that. 31st of March to the 3rd of April, down at Millbrook, uh, the New Zealand Open, Brad Kennedy, the defending champion from a couple of years ago, but uh, excited to get across to New Zealand, not us personally, but excited to get the uh, the tour of Australasia across to the uh, to New Zealand and Millbrook. Oh, Drew, so I'd 
I'd love to be getting across. It's one of my favourite parts of the world. Do you know where Millbrook's really close to, as it turns out? Let me guess. You haven't mentioned this for a while, actually, so it's well the done. the Arrowtown Golf Club. <laughs> uh, incredibly close, actually. Uh, it's, it's on the road out, so you drive past Millbrook's on your right and you go another probably about 15 minutes to, to run into Arrowtown. Um, uh, this is funny, right, because I'm, I'm now telling a bunch of stories of golf courses that I've been to without actually playing them, uh, which seems kind of redundant for this podcast, but... Um, it's got three nines, um, Millbrook, and the the composite kind of championship 18 they use is, is phenomenal. It's kind of right beneath the um, kind of coronet peak there, if people are familiar with Queenstown, uh, the remarkables in the background. It is it is stunning. Um, and it's kind of in that region. You've got, you've got Jack's Point, um, which is the famous one there. You've got Millbrook. Traditionally in the past, this, this has been shared. You've got um, between Millbrook and the hills, which is actually Michael Hill's, um, the jeweler's private golf course, which is across the road from Millbrook. Um, but it is, it is solely at uh, Millbrook. It's a, yeah, it's a beautiful golf course um, in, the, in the South Island there in Queenstown. We then go to the North Island, just north of Auckland uh, for the NZPGA Championship at Golf Harbour Country Club, which uh, I'm just looking on Google Maps, looks absolutely stunning uh, in sort of the... <laughs> The Bay of uh, Auckland, probably a little bit more north uh, than, than Auckland. Don't really know my New Zealand geography, but it's pretty much okay. on the uh, eastern side uh, of the um, of the, the 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 entire country. Really, the Gulf Harbour. Oh, Rapier. Yeah, no, Rap- that no, no. Wangaparaoa. Wangaparaoa. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Looks stunning, that's, though. Yeah, that's um. I'll have to take a look at that. I'm heading over to New Zealand for a wedding uh, right. later next year, September of next year on uh, Waheke Island, which is you have to fly into Auckland and you get a boat ride um, across to Waheke uh, from, from Auckland Harbour. Must be nice. A couple of, must be very nice. <laughs> uh, looking at a couple of uh, days in Auckland prior, so... Yeah, add that one to the list. I might take a trip out and sit at the bar and go to another golf course that I don't play and I can report back about how nice it looks, Struits. We then have a week off before rounding back. Uh, coming to the West, actually, KM. Here you go. Uh, Look at that. TBA. Uh, yeah, who TBA. knows what's going on at the moment. April. Um, <laughs> all, all reports are 1st of Feb. Uh, that's the rumour mill running right here, but who knows what that looks like. Um, I'm, so. at, I'm due in March, so that's really so. Um, that's the, uh, the the WIPGA Championship out in Kalgoorlie. Speaking of stunning courses, um, I've not played Kalgoorlie. I've not been out there, but it uh, it's absolutely stunning. The contrast of obviously the green grass against the, the red dirt and the, the work that the team does to keep that grass not only alive, A, but looking as lush as it does is, is truly phenomenal. And I, I did have some friends go out and play it recently, and they said it was one of, if not the best courses that they've played um, in Western Australia. So um, hopefully I'll get out to, to Kalgoorlie. That'd be nice. Uh, obviously work certainly ramping up around that time. But um, yeah, we, I'm looking forward to, to having golf over here in WA if it if it does eventuate. Yeah, if Marky Mark will I'll let you through, obviously a little, few little issues uh, from a... From an Ashes perspective, but you'd like to think come come April uh, will be good. And obviously, it's a back to back events there with yep. uh, with the next one you're about to mention in uh, in Metro Perth. Uh, but yeah, that that 
that's always from a from an aesthetics and a picture perspective one of my favourites each year. You, to your to your point, full credit to the the staff there at Cal. They do a phenomenal job of keeping that uh, that course in, in as good a nick as it is. They probably could give you some tips for your grass. What a thought. Yeah. Possibly, possibly I might have to hit them up. Uh, then we come back to Royal Frio for the WA Open, 28th of April to the 1st of May. Um, back on the, the tour of Australasia uh, is the WA Open, which is fantastic to see. So really exciting to have two events back-to-back here in in WA, um, being obviously the PGA that we just mentioned in the WA Open as well. So Royal Frio going to be uh, a treat uh, we're back there for the second year in a row. Obviously, last, or this year was um, the severely condensed field, and uh, hopefully we get a full field coming back um, for the 28th of April. And then we round things out up in Palmerston, uh, the Palmerston Golf Course, um, NTPGA Championship. Pikey, the defending champion, 150K up for grabs, 5th to the 8th of May. The best trophy in golf uh, will round things out. Exciting, I think, to, to have the, uh, the NT. PGA Championship um, to have some sort of status. Obviously, it is normally the season opener. Um, it is now the season ender. So I think that's still exciting for them to happen um, and clearly just obviously buys them a little bit of time to get through the wet season as well mm. uh, in May. So hopefully things looking good to round out up in uh, the NT, Marshy. Yeah, it's 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 a really good schedule, Dreads. So you know, I kind of said at the top, I'm... Uh, for as critical as we've been, now that we're here, uh, it's exciting. It's a great opportunity for players to get a bit of cash back in the pocket and also set their sights on getting through this summer and potentially using it as a platform to launch themselves into uh, higher honours overseas. So really looking forward to getting uh, stuck underway this week at the Vic PGA. And and certainly for me, selfishly, as I'm sure it is for you, come April, I'm, I'm certainly looking forward to those events uh, here in, in Queensland in January. So it'd be great to have the, the best players in the country pass through, uh, pass through our cities, respectively, across the summer. Speaking of the best players, who are you looking forward to watching? I mean, I know we've gone a long time on this episode, but it's absolutely okay because we've been waiting a long time for golf to come back in this country. So who are you most looking forward to, to seeing play? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think there's a number of people. I think there's guys who are coming back from stint overseas. So obviously we spoke to... Uh, was Justin Warren last week. And I think that, you know, he, he gleaned it from that conversation, but also from the conversations that you and I have with him um, outside of the the recording booth, so to speak. I think he's really hungry to come home and perform. You know, he's, he's had a really grinding year this year and and I think it would mean a great deal to him to to come home and, and perform in front of family and friends and, and kind of, I think show that he's elevated himself up to that next level of player in our domestic scene. I think similarly you could say the same of Blake Windred, um, who's 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 really pushed his case in Europe. Probably hasn't had the consistent level of success in terms of securing long term status that he would have liked. But I'm sure you know how he's cut his teeth um, and, and the types of players he's played against are holding him in really good stead coming back. So. I expect to see Blake Winter do pretty well this summer. Uh, you can't go past the Gale Force. I mean, Daniel Gale's been in in phenomenal form already in a couple of the little uh, little um, kind of mini tour events that are happening around. Uh, he shoot a nine or ten under when we were talking to yeah. was last week in Dubbo. Nine like, under. The guy is melting the ball. So I think Gailey and then a few others. Uh, Dayan Lawson is a name that we haven't spoken yes. about a lot. 
Um, and and listeners will remember because he kind of went through a little bit of a purple patch, um, you know, probably maybe even 14, 16 months ago now. Uh, and he's been, you know, keeping his, his head down in Europe and going about his business. He won, and the name escapes me, and that's bad form for me, but he Torquay. won an event, won Torquay yep. um, this week. And and I read read the story and some really interesting quotes about where, he's, where his head's at and what he wants to achieve this summer. So I think Dan Lawson's one for the, uh, you know, one, one for the, the markers going forward may not necessarily go well out the gates in the next two weeks, but I reckon he'll really work into a bit of form, um, you know, as the summer wears on. Uh, and then Dreads, in terms of two more names I want to throw out, Brad Kennedy, or obviously the order of merit winner, um, from from last year, and I think poor old Brad gets overlooked. We get so excited about you know that next batch coming through and the people who are coming home or those young guys who've been sitting dormant here. But Brad Kennedy is as consistent a golfer as we have in Australia. Incredibly small gap between his floor and his ceiling, uh, and and far less volatile than maybe some of his younger counterparts. And I think the same can be said for Matt Miller, who like he'd be an absolute mug to bet against Matt Miller in any of these tournaments. Uh, you heard Woz talk about him, um, or we heard Woz talk about him. I think that yeah. might have been, but we weren't talking on the air. Yeah. But, uh, you know, Woz just said the guy, he, when he's when he's on, you can't go with him. Yeah. So Matty Miller's another name, um, himself and Brad Kennedy from an experienced campaigner perspective, who I would not be surprised to jag multiple events. I've got a couple just to flag. Uh, Jake McLeod's a really interesting one uh, coming back mm. from – Probably a fairly disappointing uh, yeah. stint in Europe, I would say, by his standards. I, I'd say that he would probably um, would, would admit to that. Um, so that'll be really interesting to see how he goes coming back to the Australian Tour. Obviously, as we know, immensely talented and, and arguably one of, if not the most talented golfers on the uh, on the Tour of Australasia at the moment. Zach Murray, uh, a good friend of this podcast, I think mm. he's, he's set for another great season. Um, did need to, you obviously touched on a few as well. Um, I did want to shout out, uh, as I just scrolled down to find the, the list of names. So you mentioned Dan Lawson, um, yep. who was one, but, uh, Nathan Barbieri, who we've heard massive raps yes. on, um, and Charlie Dan is a name that people might not have heard particularly too much about, but it was, was really close, um, there or thereabouts at the Western open, um, and out in, uh, out at Dubbo. Um, so he's a name just to, to keep an eye on. Not, don't know that he's going to maybe be a victor this year, but um, he's certainly got the talent. Um, Johnny Lyris, I think it's Lyris. It might be Lyris actually, um, not too too sure. So he uh, played in the States as well with Waza um, on the uh, Corn Ferry Tour Q School and, and finished, um, had some great finishes there. So he's clearly got talent. And shout out to Jed Morgan as well, who's making his pro Australian debut uh, this week at the um, Vic PGA Championships. So uh, still one of my all-time favourite chats was was with Jed. Um, so we, we wish him the very best of luck um, in that. But I think you've kind of covered off on, on everyone. I mean, there's so many great talents um, within, this, within this tour um, and we're certainly looking forward to seeing uh, all of them in action. Obviously, we've, we've got our very close... Friends of the pod uh, as well, but we're we're looking forward to just watching golf back on the television and and seeing it all uh, unfold over the the next uh, few months at least, Marshy. 
There's one other name, Drudes, yeah. that I want to mention. Um, and obviously, there'll be a number of integrated events across the summer, but then also, obviously, the WPGA running at the same time as the PGA. Uh, Grace Kim, uh, I mm. think this could be a real uh, defining summer for her in terms of uh, her ability to launch into a career of significance. Like, I think... If you cast your mind back, we've only seen it with someone like um, Steph Kiriakou, who really did quite well here at home, um, you know, not least of which was winning, um, you know, that that event at um, Bonville as, as an amateur on the Ladies European Tour before, before turning pro. And now, obviously, you look and see she's gone consecutive years of, um, you know, Rookie of the Year and Ladies European Tour and then third in the, the season-long race. So... Uh, I think Grace Kim, I mean, she ran second only to Daniel Gale at the Western Open at Dubbo last week. She beat Woz um, by a stroke. And I think she is in – I heard an interview with her. She did um, on SEN down in Melbourne after that that, that performance down at Dubbo. And just the headspace she seems to be in is so free, like just playing with, with absolutely no level of pressure or expectation, just enjoying a golf and that came through in the conversation we had with her. Just loves it. Just passion for the game and mm. immensely talented um, uh, is Grace Kim. And I think that I think you might see her name a number of times um, on, on some trophies this summer. Completely agree. Huge talent, Marshy. Huge talent um, and, and look forward to, to tracking her progress. Was there anything else? Because I've just got one self-indulgent piece to, to finish off with. No, and I'm glad you do. I know exactly what you're going to say, uh, and and I'm glad because if you weren't, I was going to. So um, given I'm sure you've got all the relevant information in front of you, I'll let you uh, run with this because it's been outstanding engagement already across a short period. It has. Um, As of yesterday, we confirmed uh, that we will be playing the longest day. We selected the 20th of December. Um, Don't know why. It's a very hot time of year to be uh, to be playing 72 holes of golf uh, and walking every single one of them um, in one day. So must shout out first and foremost, uh, the team members that I'll be joined by on the day. And, and um, of course, you would have heard this man's name a number of times in, in Braden McCubbing and been a wonderful supporter of this podcast, doing great things, as has an, uh, Nick Gillies, um, who is, is a good friend as well, uh, a very, very good golfer as well. So... Looking forward to playing out at Hammersley Golf Club um, here in WA. Shout out to Clark, who's been just phenomenal working with the City of Stirling and um, blocking out times for us to, to ensure that we make the turn with no one in front of us. And um, we've calculated that we've got 12 and a half minutes a hole to play. So that's going to be speedy. Um, we're going to have to make sure that we've got everything sorted. But did need to just shout out everyone who has helped us um, along the way by sending us uh, some some form of donation. Um, we have launched just over 24 hours ago. Um, we set ourselves a goal of $3,000 and we are $3 short of halfway at the moment. So far, we've raised $1,497. Um, and I do just, uh, it'd be remiss of me not to, to read out some of these, Marshy, if, you, please, if, you, no, if you're okay with me, me doing please. that. Um I don't know who this is because they've put anonymous down uh, and a picture of a dog. I reckon I've got a, a, a sneaky feeling of who it might be uh, with a message of good luck, lots of water and sunscreen for a donation of $400 um, to the 19th T team. 
which is just phenomenal. Um, DC Golf, Marangaroo, which is where Braden uh, works. He's one of the pros out there with a, a donation of $104 uh, with a message, go Bray Bray. We know you can do it. Good luck on your mi- mission. I know that uh, he's going to enjoy being called Bray Bray. The tribe donated $100. Amazing. Go and get them, Nick. And then we've had a number of $50 plus donations from Tom Gillies, Braden McCubbing, uh, throwing in some cash himself. Buster Amit, one of my uh, one of my close friends, my yes. my fiance Amy, chipping in. Lee M with $50, $50. Emily Sullivan, Braden McCubbing, Q Nolan. That was one to actually shout out. That uh, is from. Q and Ben, Benny Eccles uh, from the Teed Up podcast. So um, we are a, a, a fraternity of golf podcasters here in Australia, nah. Marshy. So shout out to, to Benny Eccles uh, and the Teed Up podcast doing great work. Um, Dad and mum, I don't know who, who that's exactly from. There's no no names on there. Bevan, Liam Stewart, um, Amy's uh, Amy's um, father and her, her um, sorry, and his wife, have donated. Uh, there's just been so many people that have, have thrown their support behind it. And I, you know, um, should read them all out when it's all said and done, but we truly appreciate everyone donating. And if you would like to do so, you can go to the longest slash fundraisers slash the 19th T and help us get to our goal of $3,000. We will do a bit of video throughout the day, some updates um, because Holy shit, it's going to be entertaining uh, for people sitting at home watching us try and play 72 holes of golf. I haven't worked out how many golf balls I'm taking. Oh, jeez, um, you've, you've jumped out a few in front of a few more questions here. Okay, please. That, oh, yeah, I've, I've got, well, look, there's worse ways to spend a Monday. I'll, yeah. put, it, I'll put it that way. Not many. I agree. Um, but there's worse ways to spend a Monday. And obviously uh, in support of a fantastic course. So, yeah. um, you know, incredibly proud of you. A uh, couple of real logistical questions though. So how many pairs of socks? Um, probably four, one per round is what I'm going yep. at the moment okay. and two pairs of shoes. So, yeah, so I'm change of shoes, golf shoes, uh, from the, the, the team at Cobra Puma golf, hoping the alpha cats might be here by that point in time. Not sure if it's not, we'll have, um, we'll have the golf shoes and then we'll just have a pair of sneakers probably for the back, back, uh, the back 36 as we make the turn. Jesus. That's, that's, that's what I was going to ask. Is it like, maybe is there value in. So first 18 golf shoe, second 18 sneaker, third 18 golf shoe, good fourth point. 18 sneaker. That's maybe, a good point. Maybe alternate that way. Look, barefoot's um, on the card, Marshy, at this I point. Probably the final nine. Yeah. Uh, you, could be going, you could be going barefoot. Um, balls? Yeah. Many. What are, what's Hammers? So I've never played Hammersley. What's Hammersley like? Is it, is it, is it tight? It is, is tight. It, yeah, okay. Yeah. But it is very well manicured, so you should be able to find your ball. Um, planning on hitting a lot of irons off the tee. Um, you did that anyway at the moment. Yeah. Dr- drives uh, left you. <laughs> I've just pulled up the forecast. It is forecasted to be 37 degrees, so that's yeah, going to be real good. A bit of shade out there at Hammersley? Or? Yeah, I'll just play under the trees all the time. Yeah, so. excellent. excellent. Uh, yeah, so at minimum 12 balls, minimum. 12? Minimum. <laughs> You might need to double that. Wow. What's what's? I'm no good at maths. Is that the six? Is it six twelves or seventy two? Yeah. So that's a you're losing a ball every six holes. Yeah. Hopefully, I'm not doing that. There's not. A, there's no water. Um, okay. So yeah, I'm I'm hopeful. I mean, you're gonna pass the clubhouse uh, eight times. Mm-hmm. So. 
<laughs> There'll be no shortage of opportunities to stop in and get a and get a ball if you need. Yeah. yeah. Look, it's um, it's going to be a big day. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> I'm scared. Lie. Yeah. I would be too. Uh, I I think you're mad. Yeah. Uh, I I wouldn't be doing it. I'd probably if I was there, uh, I'd I'd get a cart. I think and and and. I'd kind of be like that person, a bit like yourself, um, who's like the support vessel in the, you know. In the uh, rotto swim. In the rotto swim, yeah. <laughs> I'd probably be like a support vessel in the longest day. Uh, yeah. Have the cart there for any, like, do you need relief, um, drinks, you know, sustenance. Yeah. But, yeah. look, mate, it's, um, I'll be, I'll be, uh, <laughs> I'll be getting my final night's sleep before, uh, before my life turns upside down and you'll be turning yourself upside down as mm. well. So it could be an eventful um, 48 hour period for the, <laughs> for the podcast. Uh, but I'm, uh, as I said, mate, incredibly proud of you and the team. Um, shout out to your team members as well. And a big shout out to all those who have donated so far and, and would encourage you to continue to do so. Obviously Drew said it's the 20th, that's 13 days away. So Holy there's shit. heaps. Tell you what, if you uh, continue on the current trajectory, uh, you might have sold yourself a little short at three grand. Mm, hopefully. That would be nice. <laughs> We'd love to break through that. Yeah. Um, we're thinking of coming up with some sort of competition. Oh, like, How many strokes do you reckon it's going to take me to go around? Yeah, okay. I'm I- setting my sights on four, 4.30 plus. I reckon I've- the back the back 36, Could be last two 18s are going to be tough, like 120s probably. We should. I tell you what. Let's have a think about how we can how we can run a bit of a comp. We've got a, a literal shitload of things to give away yeah, in that cupboard of yours. Some prizes. We could run a competition. Uh, could run a competition over under uh, or or closest to <laughs> closest to without closest going to, over. Closest to without going over your stroke score. Uh, yeah. Gross. Not not forget about the handicap. Yeah. Gross stroke score closest to without going I like over. It. I like it. And I think maybe to enter, you you have to make your guess and have made a donation. That's a good one. I like that. And then yeah. we'll put up maybe, I don't know, we've got plenty of stuff there. We've got a watch. We've got a range finder. We've got sunnies. We've got- let's do the range finder. I reckon that's it. There you go. Excellent. Range finder how is good, how good we Make shit up on the go. We just we'll had our, we just had our meeting in podcast. Yeah, that's good. It's always good when we record those, give yeah. people a little insight to the logistics behind the scenes of this podcast. We'll put together a little price pack. It'll be headlined by a range finder. Yep. Uh, the details you'll see on socials in the next couple of days. So the the deal will be um, your guess closest to without going over Drude's uh, cumulative stroke score across the seventy two holes. And to enter, you must have made a donation. We won't put a minimum. Um, no, on the anything's amount. good. You, anything's you good. Give what you can because it all goes to a good cause. But to enter, you must have made a uh, a donation as well. So, seventy two. Just for those interested, and currently playing off eighteen. If that's going to in any way inform your opinion, but we'll uh, we'll get that on social media. Four sevens are twenty eight. So four two. So pars across seventy two holes would be what's that? Uh, Two, uh, 288 something around there what's double 200 <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm setting my sights on around the 430 mark I think that's good numbers I think that's good numbers well, yeah that's yeah, probably averaging maybe around 20 over uh, around, if not a bit more 
I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a fun day. Uh, it's great, probably man. about the first 18 holes. Be you know mildly enjoyable for the second 18. Tough for the third 18 and just downright fucking stupid for the fourth yeah. 18. So you will have well and truly answered the age rights when yeah. you get back up cool. to the clubhouse for the final time. Good yeah. on you, mate. It's a, it's a fantastic initiative. And yeah, as I said, very proud of you and, and, and very thankful to all the other people who've donated and continue to do so. Please through until the day and we'll keep you abreast of Druids' uh, both preparation uh, and progress through the day. Yes. Absolutely. We will. It's been good fun, mate. Uh, obviously, a bit of a lengthy one tonight, but important to do so to, to uh, preview the upcoming summer in detail. Uh, look forward to keeping an eye on um, you know, things getting underway at the Vic PGA this week and, and, and keeping you abreast of all the results as we come through. We'll probably have a bit more information next week about what our schedule looks like. Dreads Flag will take a bit of a break, which we will do um, as we creep towards Christmas and have a few weeks off leading into yep. January. But... I'm definitely back next week uh, and uh, definitely back later this week, Drew. So you've got to chat with uh, our good mates at Blitz Golf about some very exciting things coming up this summer. Yep. Very good chat with Simon Zybeck. Uh, very short, brief 15-minute episode just to get an overview of where they're at. Um, so plug that into your ears because they have done some uh, remarkable things in the in the past 12 to 18 months in the, the face of adversity. Uh, and then next week, we've got James Grierson uh, as well, who uh, has locked in today. Uh, that he will be on the pod next week, having a chat, obviously, about his career and Blitz Golf as well. And then, of course, our season, our year-ending, year-in-review KM, uh, where we pull out some of the highlights. Uh, easily the most um, labour-intensive episode that I have to pull together yeah. in the editing yeah. studio. So that probably won't be a video one for those who are watching on the YouTubes. Uh, it'll just well, be considering only the last six episodes yeah on the video yeah, exactly so we'll yeah. uh we'll wrap things up for for the year next thursday and then who knows when we'll be back we'll be back at some point in january yep we've got to get through the christmas period um we do. and uh yeah you got to get through your big day so nah, we'll be fine we'll could be could be the end of the podcast could, could be could could be time. Time. <laughs> golf might be drew's might be done with golf yeah <laughs> <laughs> no, it'll be great. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to the day. And um, yeah, um, just yeah, if anyone would love to donate, I'll give you the link one more time. Just so it's there, longestday.org.au slash fundraiser slash the 19th T. And um, yeah, really appreciate everyone's support. Outstanding, my friends. Uh, you enjoy the rest of your week. You uh, enjoy the, the chat with Simon on Thursday. And we'll be back in your ears then.